Welcome to the Diversity Hygiene Academy podcast series. This is podcast number 10. Today, we're going to be discussing stepping up your disinfection, and we have with us today Lorinda Becker. As a part of Diversity Hygiene Academy, you will have some slides on the topic, a video recording, audio recording, and a quick narrative on the content. So there are many different tools for you to use. Please feel free to sit back, listen, and learn. A podcast about cleaning? Diversity Hygiene Academy podcast series. Well, good morning, Lorinda. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Van. Glad to be here. Yeah, so today we're going to be discussing a, a very uh, important and inter interesting topic on stepping up your disinfection and stepping up maybe your disinfectant too. So I think we're let's just jump right into it. And before we get into talking about uh, anything about products, can you just give me a little background or a little information on pathogens and how they're transmitted? Absolutely, Van. That's a great place to start. Um, pathogens are kind of funky, but they, they definitely can be transmitted a few different ways depending on the type of pathogen they are. Um, they can be spread through skin contact, personal contact, um, body fluids. Uh, if you think about things called bloodborne pathogens, there are also airborne particles. Um, which would be um, tuberculosis, for instance, is an airborne pathogen. And they can also come with um, contact with feces and touching a surface that's been touched by an infected person. So there are many, many different ways they can, they can definitely be transmitted. So for the focus of today, let's, let's talk about the surfaces. So why is cleaning surfaces so important? Well, I'll tell you what, Van, um, over the past several years, there have been a lot of studies in really saying how important the role of the environment is in spread of infection. And people can be exposed to pathogens through contaminated surfaces or equipment. Um, they can be touching each other. So, you know, if you shake somebody's hand and they just sneezed in their hand or something like that, and then you were to touch your eyes or nose or mouth, um, you could definitely um, take those contaminated hands into your own person. Also, hand hygiene and the environmental hygiene um, play a key role in preventing transmission. As you can see, the risk is a reality because a person is, they definitely have a higher risk of acquiring pathogens if they were in an area that somebody else was sick before. So if you think about your office environment, um, a desk at school, the pencil sharpener, things like that, if, if somebody's sick and they're using that thing and then the next person comes and touches it, it easily can can be contaminated or they can be contaminated from that surface. So I, I understand, you know, if the immediate contact and if somebody comes right away and touches the surface, you know, the risk that, that you can pick up the pathogen that might be on that surface on your hands and then you touch your face. But how long can these pathogens or microorganisms actually live on a surface? That's a great question. Um, it, it varies by type of bug. So um, if you think about it, like the flu bug or the influenza virus, that can be on a surface up to 24 hours, up to two days, um, depending on what type of environment it's in. Um, norovirus, for instance, which you might find on a cruise ship or other areas, that can survive up to seven days. So think about how long most cruises are. <laughs> it, it can be vibrant the whole time unless it's removed. E. coli or food poisoning up to 16 months. And, and I think the common cold is around seven days. And recently, um, you know, we, we've heard a lot about um, COVID-19, and, and that virus can actually live on a surface for four or five days, too. 
that's pretty that's actually pretty incredible to think about that especially e coli at the 16 months wow um that's <laughs> that that makes you think a little bit about surface cleaning and disinfection for sure so i i know that there are a lot of challenges when we're talking about cleaning and disinfection why aren't people doing it uh, appropriately that's a great question and and you know oftentimes it, it starts with time you know uh, the budget constraints of having the number of employees, having the people to do the job, do the job properly, um, you know, it, it's really difficult for a lot of different facilities. So making it a priority is kind of the first thing and, and understanding how to build it into your process, your environment, and your budget. Um, also, disinfectants can be slow acting and they can require a longer contact time in some cir circumstances. I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant where you watch them spray the table and immediately wipe it. Well, sometimes those disinfectants or sanitizers take a couple minutes to be effective. So you're really not allowing the pathogens to die before that surface dries. So making sure that you have a product that's gonna meet those times. Um, also, some are not very good cleaners. So you mentioned about you know, challenges in cleaning. Some disinfectants don't clean well. So you know, making sure you have a product that's gonna do both is really important. And then also, um, there is a phenomenon called quat binding, which basically would be where the, the positive ions in the, um, the quat actually would bind to whatever the cleaning tool is, like if it's a cotton cloth or something like that. So they're not actually imparting onto the surface. So that would be one. Um, a couple others that come to mind would be just poor laundering. Um, I, I did see a study at one time that said, they, they looked at cleaning cloths that came out of the fresh laundry, and 93% of them contained pathogens, which to me is like, hmm, we have to really evaluate, are we doing a really good job with our laundry? And then the last thing is just, you know, if they aren't safe. So, you know, I personally, if I'm using a product that's not safe, I want to get it used as quickly as possible or avoid using it. <laughs> and unfortunately, people will tend to not use a product as much if they don't feel it's safe for them or the assets. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to consider here and, and a lot of different challenges that our customers are facing. So what can diversity do to, to help? Absolutely. Well, um, you know, a couple of things that, that I think about is, is just thinking about how to step up. So if you're in a good go to better, you know, good enough may not be good enough. So looking at programs that will integrate the the tools, the disinfectants, the process, the actual protocol that you use for your cleaning and disinfection, and, and really increasing performance without that added cost. So, you know, a couple of things I think about, Van, are just ways to step up. Um, ideas are, you know, make sure you have best practices and a standardized process. So when we think about, you know, best practices is have you looked at your facility? Have you looked at you know, what things might be a daily process versus an event. And an example might be, you know, you know that the three people in the corner of our office building might have had the flu last week. We might make that a process to really deep clean their space and any space we think they were so that the rest of the organization doesn't get the flu. Um, and then daily, we might want to make sure we're cleaning the high-touch surfaces in everybody's office so or any common-touch surfaces. So, Looking at those types of things, really understanding procedures like what should be cleaned, how often it should be cleaned, who needs to clean it, 
Are there touch points we should have during the day, throughout the day, um, intermittently between that, that deeper clean, and then just a really thorough training of the staff? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned something before that might be a criteria for selection as well. What You mentioned contact time and possibly shortening that. How does that factor into the selection? What is it and how does it factor in? Yeah, so, so contact time um, per the EPA is really how long the surface must, and the EPA is the Environmental Protection Agency, by the way, but, but they regulate disinfectants and, and really keep us as manufacturers compliant into what really works and what doesn't. And for the EPA, the surface must remain wet for the contact time or the dwell time. And what that is, is that's the time that has been tested and proven and substantiated to make sure that those pathogens die. So the shorter, um, the better, because there is a need for speed. So, you know, in our mind, faster is better. If you look across some of the different categories, um, you'll know that a lot of our products and a lot of products out in the marketplace might have a 10-minute contact time. They might be a really good cleaner, but 10 minutes is a really long time, right? So, you know, most of the time if you wipe a surface, it might stay wet for five minutes. So you might have to go and reapply to that surface, which is your time. So moving to a three-minute or a five-minute or even a one-minute product is going to give you you know, a lot more convenience and a lot more speed to get the job done. For sure, for sure. How about what, how about cleaning and cleaning results and cleaning performance? Does that does that factor in, or is it pretty much the same across the board for disinfectants? Yeah. So, so some disinfectants, and and you know, just to give you a little bit of a comparison, um, some disinfectants are really good cleaners. Um, if you have like a dilutable or an accelerated hydrogen peroxide or improved hydrogen peroxide, for instance, um, you're you're going to find that the cleaning capability is very strong. Um, when you move to say a quat or a quaternary ammonium product, um, a phenolic a bleach product, other products may not be as good of cleaners. So having a one-step disinfectant cleaner, you will notice a pretty big difference in soil removal or just removal of anything that's on that surface. Um, another thing that really plays in there too, Van, would be your cleaning tool. So if you're using a microfiber versus a cotton rag or you know maybe a disposable microfiber, you're probably going to get better pickup as well. Yeah, so, you know, speaking of uh, tools and microfiber and cotton, you mentioned before quat binding. So what, what might be some considerations for maybe switching your technology, dis disinfecting technology or your tools with quat binding? Yeah, so great question, um, and you are a good listener. <laughs> um, when I think about quant binding, um, there are, are there's a, there's a charge that's actually in the quant. It's a positive charge, and oftentimes, just like a, a magnet, it's going to magnetize or bind potentially with a neutral or negative charge in another type of thing, like a cleaning tool or surface. So quant binding, what it does is that quant has a it becomes attracted to or absorbed into the tool. And the reality is, is it stays in the tool and doesn't go onto the surface. So what happens is you might just be putting water down onto the surface or the rest of the um, inactive ingredients onto the surface. 
and you know you're, you're not going to be able to do that full disinfection. So I've seen studies where you know they actually will start out with say 660 parts per million, which a lot of 10-minute clots might have, and by the time it hits the surface through a clot, it can be as low as 200, and that's immediate. So you know it binds immediately. And then the quad that actually gets to the surface or expressed onto the surface could be, you know, 200, 400, somewhere less than, than that um, 660. What about laundering of these textiles and microfiber cloths specifically? You know, we, we, there, there's a number of different ways to do this. A lot of times it's done either in-house or it's sent out to an organization that they're, they're done and then they're, they're sent back. And sometimes you get your cloth, sometimes you get somebody else's, depending on what program you sign up. Is there any risk or concern with how well these are laundered and what you're getting back? Oh, absolutely, Van, and that's a really good question. Um, And I mentioned earlier there was a study, but um, what we found is that, you know, when they go through a laundering process, depending on temperature or detergent, if they're sanitizing in that laundry, um, what they're actually mixing in the laundry. So sometimes you might be really careful to, put certain cloths that are contaminated in one bag versus another, and then they get to the laundry facility and it's all like just one big mash of of cloths. So what we found is that um, there was a Gerba study that I I mentioned earlier that, you know, 93% of the reusable cleaning cloths that were, quote, clean, okay, came back and they did have bacteria on them. And, and, you know, if you think about that process is really working with your laundry facility, whether it's internal or external, and really understanding what are their procedures, what are their protocols, how do they test the, the you know, the claws to make sure that their process is under control, just like if you were cleaning the surface. One other consideration might be um, ease of use or the convenience of using the disinfectant. So how do, how do you, how would you define ease of use when, when thinking about a disinfectant? Yeah. So I, I kind of think about it as, as being the, the cleaner. If I'm the person that's doing it, one, um, when I think of easy use, I, I want that product to be close by me. You know, I want that product to be kind of either on my person, by my person, in the room when I go to clean, Um, So having it accessible is very, very important. Um, A lot of times products cannot be in the room because they're just not safe. So if I have to go down the hall to get a cleaning wipe or a cleaning cloth um, and then come back and and do my job, you know, there's a likelihood I might be lazy or or not do that. Now, maybe not me, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, When I think about it also is if that product is pleasant to use and, if if I enjoy using that product, if it's foul, it's got a bad smell, if it makes my hands feel rough, um, whatever, it has to be pleasant for me to use. And and there have been studies where, you know, people will deploy a product that's way more efficacious, which means it kills more pathogens, but they don't feel it's safe or they don't like the smell. And they actually, their cleaning results have gone down because they're hurrying to get their job done because they don't like the odor or they don't like the pleasantness of that. So um, the other thing I would say is if I want to use a product, I want to know it's safe for me because I've got to use it. I've got to clean that surface. I want to make sure it's not going to cause harm to me or subsequently my family. So, um, you know, ready to use on demand is the best. And I would say, you know, if I look across the disinfectant spectrum, you know, the, be- the best ones really, Van, are 
These are not toxic. They don't hurt my skin. They don't make my eyes water um, or non-irritating. Um, low odor, you know, if, the, if it's foul. You know, some people don't like bleach. Some people love bleach. If it's foul, people are less likely to enjoy using it. Um, no added dyes or fragrances. Everybody's perception is different there on what smells good. Um, and also I'd, I'd call out, um, you know, the best possible safety rating. So, you know, look at that health, look at that flammability, look at the hazard rating, and, and just make sure that it's going to be very, very safe. Because at the end of the day, if your users are satisfied, it doesn't harm your, your surfaces. If it's tough on pathogens and not on people, that's nirvana. So you've given us a number of things to think about here when we're selecting disinfectants, and including, you know, ease of use, safety of the product, cleaning results, contact time, efficacy, and also even things like quad binding. So if, if you could, if you could now put some, some products into some buckets maybe, or, or just give us like an idea of what we would have it from diversity as a range and maybe stepping up from one product to, to another. Absolutely, Van. So, you know, I kind of think about, you know, starting with your daily cleaning, um, kind of thinking about what those products are. And, you know, whether it's our Virex 256, um, Triad, Morning Mist, we have a lot of 10-minute quat-type products. I mentioned earlier quaternary ammonium. And, and those compounds basically are, are very low cost. They have, you know, from 1 to 64 all the way up to 1 to 256, so a half an ounce per gallon. Um, of dilution, extremely low cost, 10-minute um, contact time. We, we see those in a lot of schools. Um, we see them in a lot of floors, you know, if you're doing floor disinfection. Great products, um, but if I were to think about how to step up, it would really be taking from a 10-minute to maybe a 3-minute if I wanted to stay in a quad, um, which we have a Virex Plus product. It's got a 3-minute contact time. Again, it's 1 to 256 dilution for most of the pathogens and super easy to use, um, very, very safe on surfaces overall. So those would be a couple quads. Um, if, if you, you know, use a quad, we do recommend, you know, evaluating the tool that you're using. You might want to step that up to a non-binding tool, a tool that has been tried to and true and tested, can't say that five times, um, just to make sure that, that that product, you know, doesn't bind with the cleaning apparatus that you're using. Um, and then, man, if you wanted to move into um, like a non-quat type product, our accelerated hydrogen peroxide line is very, very popular. Um, you start out with LFHP, which is a 10-minute um, 1 to 64 dilution, and that is available in RTD and JFIL. And that product is awesome. Um, it's an awesome cleaner. People find that their mops, their tools, everything looks clean, their rooms, their bathrooms, um, just by using that product, it does not bind with any chemi um, chemical cleaning tools. So if you're using it with cotton, microfiber, a mop, you're not going to have any issues. Um, if you want to step up from that, your next step would be up to a five-minute product, which would be Oxivir 516. Same type of technology. The big difference is you have a five-minute contact time at 1 to 16. So that's where the 5 to 6, 516 comes from um, for Oxivir 516. And then the last in that area would really be our Oxivir TB and our Oxivir 1, which those are all ready-to-use formats. And, you know, we have gallons, we have totes, we have you name it anymore, um, a lot of different options. 
And what's terrific about those is that they have one-minute contact times for the key pathogens of concern, and they're super easy to use, um, very pleasant for the person to use them. So, you know, those products are good. You get down to that one minute. It's an excellent cleaner, great safety profile. You know, that, that safety rating I mentioned earlier, it's the best in the industry. So if you think about your daily, that would be kind of the, the several buckets there. And then there's also a product that we have for specialty disinfection, which would be our Avert. And that's if you need a sporocytal, which I don't think you're going to run into a lot of spores in most industries except for healthcare. But um, Avert makes an awesome sporocytal disinfectant. So those are kind of all of the chemistries. And, and then the last thing I'll mention is we do have a UVC disinfection device, which is not to replace doing disinfection, but it kind of augments. So if you think about some of those areas and those pathogens that live on surfaces, you know, for 16 months, as we <laughs> mentioned earlier, mm. um, UVC is great because you can go in and basically dose an area, a room, a part of a room, a high-touch surface part of the room or the entire room, and, and really what you're going to find is that you're going to get those surfaces that you may have missed with manual cleaning and moving on to um, a, a UV dose to, to make sure that those pathogens are killed. Excellent, excellent. So you've provided us with a lot of great information here today, and uh, I think if you could, just give us some key takeaways or what, what would you like us to, to remember out of this conversation on stepping up your disinfection? Oh, great, great idea. So to summarize, Van, what, what I kind of think about is, you know, it, it's really product practice and, and making sure that everybody understands it. So, so make sure that you assess your facility, get the best practices, understand that they can be super standardized so everybody does it the same way. So if anything, they improve. Um, shorten the contact time. So if you can get the job done in less time or ensure the job is done correctly and in the amount of time you have, um, definitely that's a big plus. If you have an opportunity um, enhancing the cleaning ability of the products, it, it really it eliminates rework where you have you know to go back in and do a deeper clean or something like that. Make sure you consider the ease of use and convenience for your staff. Um, what we've seen over time is if people like the product that they're using and feel it does a good job, they're going to do a good job. And then just those other factors, just the overall experience of cleaning and disinfection and, and really having success. So that would be my, my key takeaways. Lorinda, we appreciate your time as always and, and sharing your expertise. So uh, this has just been a great information session on selecting the right disinfectant and some things to consider. So, so thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me, Dan.